Hello, welcome to the second episode of Inside the Brain Of, where I interview a manual therapist to get inside their brain and try to understand their approach to patient management. My name is Eric Nelson, and I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and neurokinetic therapy instructor. This podcast is dedicated to helping manual therapists to better incorporate NKT concepts and ideas into their practice. If you're listening and you're not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Initially, I plan on focusing on interviewing NKT providers, but maybe down the line I'll speak with some other like-minded professionals. Neurokinetic therapy was developed by David Weinstock over the past 30 years. David is a body worker from California and has put together an incredible technique that helps you break down patients' faulty movement patterns by identifying muscle imbalances and determining specifically what muscles aren't firing properly and which muscles are compensating for them. From this information, you can then determine which muscles require manual therapy and which muscles need corrective exercises. By performing the right treatment and corrective exercise program, your patient can change their motor control center and reset their faulty movement patterns. The goal is to stop treating symptoms and start treating causes. With over 1,000 providers now all over the world, NKT is, is quickly becoming a very popular technique. As such, I occasionally hear some negative things about the technique. I think, though, most of these comments are due to a misunderstanding of what NKT is, because really, it, it's kind of hard to explain in just a post on Facebook page what NKT really is. So if there's one thing I could say about this is that we teach that there are no absolutes. NKT doesn't have all the answer to all of life's mysteries, nor does it claim to. In fact, NKT is also a concept. It's a way to integrate biomechanics, functional anatomy, and neuroscience. We call this the neurobiomechanical model. Now, one big concept that I don't think comes across in a lot of posts on Facebook is that we test movements, not muscles. So even though we might say that the biceps, for example, is inhibited, we're actually referring to the function of the biceps, which may be elbow flexion, but really depends on the pe position we're testing. So there's a lot more to it than what you just read on Facebook. A quick post about how this muscle does that and that muscle does this, that's, that's not really the whole picture. So there is a little bit more to it, but we do get some great results, and, and, and some of our practitioners are excited about posting about it. So what you see is, is the positive results. But don't, don't just suspect that it's just what you see on face value. There's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, one thing, though, that I can say is an absolute about NKT is that it's absolutely changed my practice. My results have improved dramatically, and as a result, my practice is busier than ever. Plus, I thoroughly enjoy going to work every day as every patient brings a new challenge. In addition, my desire to learn has grown tremendously. Every night, I try to read or watch something that will expand my knowledge base. Another thing that I really love about NKT is that there's a diverse group of practitioners using this technique. We have chiropractors, physical therapists, massage therapists, medical doctors, osteopaths, strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, athletic trainers, kettlebell instructors, yoga teachers, Pilates instructors, acupuncture, and I'm sure there's others that I didn't even mention. And what's, what's pretty cool about this is that each practitioner brings an incredible knowledge base to the technique. And as such, each person has a somewhat unique approach to how they treat their patients. You can find some of these people on the NKT Scholars Facebook page. This is a private page for all students that have taken a level one class. As a result of this page, there are some incredible collaborations and teaching lessons that occur every day. Personally, I learn something new every day, even from the new students. In my first podcast, I interviewed the brilliant Thomas Wells, which provided some incredible clinical nuggets. I'd also like to point out that almost every day over the past few weeks, Thomas has been posting what he calls pro tips on the scholars page. These clinical pearls have helped me tremendously. And I know because I've been chatting with some other people on the page as well, and everyone is just completely blown away by these nuggets. When you join the NKT scholars page, and remember you have to have taken a level one class first, you learn pretty quickly who the more experienced practitioners are. And again, even though David's only been teaching this technique for about the past two and a half years, there's, he's really been developing it over the past 30 years, and there's, he's taught some people along the way. So there's some people that have been using it for over 10 years. And I know that when I have questions or tough cases, I, I seek out these, patients, these people, and I ask them questions all the time. And that's really the reason I developed this podcast, 
because I figured that if I have questions, I'm sure that there's others as do others do as well. So I figured I might as well share this knowledge with everyone's interested. So my guest tonight is a chiropractor from New Jersey who really is the reason I found out about NKT in the first place. And in fact, I'm sure a lot of you, he's the reason a lot of people found out about NKT in the first place. So I, I really like telling the story about how I found out about um, about this person. And uh, what, what happened was is I was checking out a conversation by Craig Liebenson, who's a chiropractor who spe- specializes in rehabilitation. Uh, and I was checking out a conversation he was having on Facebook, and I noticed uh, that the conversation he was having was on a page called Stop Chasing Pain. So I you know, was following that conversation, and I decided to like that page. So I started liking, and I noticed that I was getting a lot of updates from, from the Stop Chasing Pain page. And at first, I thought that the person running it was a little nuts. And he had motivational quotes, um, and interspersed with some, some crazy clinical insights, which at first I thought just didn't really make sense. But I started really looking at it, and it really started to speak to me. Especially, I had—I remember having a patient with uh, lower back and hip issues, and I remember he mentioned something about the pectineus muscle compensating for an inhibited piriformis, and something about the obturators. And you know, I was thinking about this patient I had, and it really caught my attention and started making sense. And I—I I, I started re-reading some of his posts, and, and really, it, it was pretty intelligent, and, and it blew me away. So I started following him a little bit closer, and, I, and soon he started to mention uh, neurokinetic therapy. So I started following that page on Facebook, and I really started getting excited. This stuff was really starting to talk to me based on my experience with soft tissue treatment and rehab. Uh, so I started to explore NKT a little bit further, and I saw that the only class on the schedule was happening in New Jersey. Uh, which, again, was, of course, because of my guest tonight. Uh, and being that I am in New Jersey, it seemed like a miracle that class was happening. So I, I took that class, and for me, the rest is history. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, so I'm very excited tonight uh, to have with me the founder of Stop Chasing Pain, which, by the way, now has over 12,000 followers on Facebook. That, that, that's pretty crazy. So, again, I'm very excited to get inside the, the brain of the one and only Dr. Perry Nicholson. Hey, Perry, um, how's it going? That's great, my friend. Thank you so much for the, the kind introduction. It's great to be on the other side of a podcast for a change. I'm usually the uh, host, and now I'm the guest. I'm excited. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. Well, thanks for joining me, and I'm, I'm sure everyone's pretty excited to hear about your viewpoint on patient management. Because, again, I like to understand, um, you know, there's so many approaches to, to utilizing NKT because it, it is really just one tool. And a lot of us have different tools in our toolbox. So I'm always interested in how different people implement it. So um, before we dive into that, I'm just curious, uh, you know, for your background. So how long have you been a chiropractor? Where did you go to school? Um, you know, and, and, and what kind of continuing ed classes have you taken? And, and, and why did you take those classes? Let's start with that. Sure. Um, well, I've been chiropractor for quite a while now. I mean, time goes pretty fast. I, I graduated in uh, 1997 from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa, which is called the Fountainhead of Chiropractic, where it was pretty much discovered. And for those in chiropractic, you know, there's different disciplines where they're really, really straight guys that, you know, it's all about the chiropractic adjustment or mobilization, and that can uh, take care of most everything. And then there's other ones they call them mixers with dabbling in the different things, different techniques and modalities and use things outside of their hands. So Palmer was, I guess, kind of a mixture of the two, but really philosophical-based and uh, chiropractic, which is cool. Um, and But, you know, when I got out, I was always on a search where I knew that there was just something missing in, in what I was looking for and taking care of patients. And it took me quite a while to discover that answer, and it ended up coming over a decade later when I came across, uh, you know, the NKT stuff. Before NKT, I was I got away from either doing just mobilization stuff and got more into soft tissue stuff. I really was fascinated by trigger points, okay, looking at right, uh, the why of stuff. Hence where stop chasing pain came from. I mean, I, anybody can treat pain. That's not the hard part. But it's figuring out where, where it came from and, and why it's there and why you can do some wonderful things to pain and it keeps coming back. It started to piss me off, you know. So trigger points were cool because we know from trigger points that if you have a knot somewhere that can refer pain to another spot, 
where pain is. So that was the first part where I came to that. Then I got more into fascia stuff, looking at the connectivity of the body. And first thing that really turned my paradigm around was coming across my uh, mentor, Gray Cook, the brilliant physical therapist who's all about movement and created a functional movement screen. That was my eye-opening experience of, of looking at movement, which is top dog in my evaluation chain now. And that's where the name Stop Chasing Pain came from, actually. I went to one of his very first courses that he teaches for Selective Functional Movement Assessment, which is the medical evaluation of looking at movement through different parameters to find out why people are in pain. And this is before anybody had any clue what it was now, and it's a long time ago. And he had one slide that came up that said, Stop Chasing Pain. And I'm like, you know, you have an epiphany, something that hits you, you just know it's the right road, kind of like what you were talking about when you came across what I was saying. Um, and I immediately knew that that was a path that I was supposed to go down. And through his work, I got into movement. And then, you know, there's this mobility, stability stuff everybody talks about. And I eventually came around to being fascinated by motor control because they talk a lot about that, which is another word for stability. And I'm definitely a stability guy. And from doing a Google search at night, wanting to learn more, asking the questions of why, uh, I was hungry for more. And then I Googled stability motor control and came across this YouTube video by David that was like an obscure video, had a couple hundred hits on there and saw it. And I'm like, this is this is some cool shit. This is what I've been looking for, you know. So I uh, ordered his book, started using his book, and then just like what you did asking me to come on your podcast, I reached out to him and said, you want to be on my podcast, the Stop Chasing Pain podcast. It's been on for several years. And we actually have close to 150,000 subscribers, so we're doing pretty well on that one. Um, and he came on, and, you know, I said, let's do a workshop out here in of the Northeast, man, so people can get a load of this stuff. And that was uh, hardly anybody was certified at that time. I think maybe just like he said, a few people he's been teaching out over the years, and I think it's going on two years now. From that point on to now, that the family's grown to over a thousand people all over the freaking globe. So I think it was, I think the universe came together in many different ways from my search for why. And I knew that the world needed to see what, what David had. And uh, people are just responding like you did, changing the way that they do everything and the way they look at their body. And I don't think you can get any more exciting than that. So the, how I got to here right now on my search is kind of what I post about now. I always want to figure out the why of something. And I never had anything come across my uh, tool box that I can use to help answer that question like NKT. So hopefully that was a, I mean, a roundabout answer, but um, no, that's, that's what brought me to where I am. I was looking for. I'm also curious because I know in addition to your analysis, I know you use the FMS, you use the SFMA, and NKT kind of brings that together. But on the other side, the treatment side, uh, I know you've gotten into uh, laser therapy and you, and you teach for rock tape. Uh, how, how did that come about as well? Well, laser therapy I love. I mean, I, I got into that many years ago because I was fascinated by the technology. And uh, I was looking for something more at the time, too, like it just beyond regular uh, modalities like ultrasound and muscle stem. I mean, they were cool, right? And then uh, with my hands... But uh, a mentor of mine actually turned me on to laser therapy. And I've been using lasers for a long time. I'm like almost close to 10 years before anybody had any idea what they are. Um, and he was a chiropractor, and he was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in his hands. And for those that are not familiar with that condition, hopefully they are. It's just an inflammatory condition of the body. Arthritic inflammatory condition is very painful. And uh, he was going to have to stop practicing. But he, he looked in the laser, researched it, and used it on his hands. And he said within a couple of sessions he was not having his uh, symptoms. I and mean, it didn't cure him, of course, but he could uh, still practice. And he would go weeks without symptoms. And I was having severe lower back pain. I mean, I've damaged my body so much from being a bodybuilder over the years of just doing crazy, stupid stuff. And I have uh, had three disc herniations in my lower back. I've got stenosis, advanced arthritis with somebody who's easily 30 years older. And uh, I needed help. And I tried the laser on myself, and I'm like, wow, this is incredible stuff. And I decided to get into it because I like to treat the hard-to-fix, chronic, difficult things that other people give up on or conditions that can't be helped in some way, shape, or form. 
um, because I like to look beyond the why, and I started using the, the laser. Laser is the only modality that I use in practice. I don't use anything else but, but laser in my hands and uh, rock tape. But, um, so now I've, I've created what's called the Pain Laser Center. LLC, that was my first business where I just used laser light to, to treat and heal. Because you got to heal the damaged tissues. You know, I'm not naive where I'm living in a world of unicorns and rainbows. I tell people, you got to treat pain, of course. So, but you have to look at, you know, what, what caused the problem. So laser light is the best modality I've discovered in all my years of practice that can help heal tissue that's actually chemically been damaged. And then the situation of looking at why came about through movement and then incorporating NKT. And the tape, the rock tape, I got into because I, it's all about stability for me so or, or control. And the tape, which is a kinesiology-based elastic tape that, uh, you know, people used to see on athletes on the Olympics and stuff like that, uh, I got into because it gave proprioceptive feedback for people and it helped give them stability and control. It works very nicely with our NKT model. And I chose their take quite frankly because if you follow my stuff, you know my brand and my company is kind of a little bit different. You know, I'll tell you some shit whether you want to hear it or not, and then this is how I do it. But Rock Tape's a cool company. It's a cool name. they got logo tape. Everybody that makes tape has got cow print on it. It's good in my eyes, right? And then... Uh, they asked me to become an instructor for them and teach for them because they're all about taping movement, not muscle. And it fell right in line with my paradigm. So when you come to see me, that's what you get. I mean, you're going to get a totally different approach than people are used to of looking at the body from an entire perspective, like a kinetic chain perspective. But everybody, if you come in to see me and you've got a hangnail, if you find your way in my door, I'm going to look at how you move. I'm going to do some laser on you. I'm going to do some NKT on you. And I'm going to rock tape your ass up. So everybody's going to get all that. And um, just curious, um, how about your rehab? What, um, do you, is it based in anything or is it stuff you came up with? What do you, what do you get your exercises from? Um, well, I mean, I'm an avid learner like you. I mean, I, you know, I've been to workshops where I, I love movement stuff. So I've been to office and stuff. And, you know, I follow I'm a great cook and the SFMA, uh, FMS protocol world is mine. And I've learned a ton just in the strength and conditioning world and physical fitness world. I mean, they know more than most doctors, in my my opinion. But I'm really, since I'm all about stability, I do a lot with um, low-level, low-threshold exercises, a lot of stuff down to the ground. Neurodevelopmental patterning fascinates the hell out of me. So um, I do a lot of work down on the ground, a huge amount with, rolling patterns and stuff like that and resetting uh, basic body movements first. So, I mean, I love corrective exercise. I tell everybody I think every exercise can be a corrective one if it's placed on the healing continuum at the right spot. So you could be using a fantastic corrective exercise, but if you're inserting it too soon in a program where, one, people may be still having pain when they're doing it, it's useless because they're not going to learn and reprogram movement when you're in pain because you're too worried about not hurting yourself. Or two, it's it's too above their ability to actually uh, efficiently perform the corrective. So you got quality of movement needs to be before quantity. I, I, I don't care that you can do it. Most people can do it. What I care about is how well you do it and how many you can do. So great cooks had a great analogy one. said, I'm not giving you one set of ten. I'm giving you ten sets of one. It's a very different way of looking at corrective exercise. And then when you can show me that you can earn that movement, well, then you've earned the right to move to the next one. And, I mean, if people say, oh, how can you say that's kind of arrogant? And I'm like, well, it's not arrogant. It's just about... Uh, what can your body do effectively? And if you can, if you can program it that way, you can eliminate a lot of useless corrective exercises that people do. Because I can give you three or four things to do, but it doesn't mean it's going to be shit to actually change how you think about your your body pattern. That's what I'm concerned with. So I'd rather give you one thing to do and do it well. Excellent. I agree. I agree with that 110%. Too many people are doing too many things that they shouldn't be doing, 
And, you know, especially if you're, you're trying to get them better. <laughs> and they're going way yeah. past their I, I no think way. they're doing it with a good intention. Don't get me wrong. I think most people, if you're in our world, you really want to help people. Uh, so sometimes we get overzealous and, and we want to give people a lot of stuff because we want to get them well or maybe we'd be excited, stuff like that. So I think every program works for somebody. I never uh, trash talk any program as long as it's coming from somebody who's got uh, true intent and an authentic heart. I, I mean, I'll applaud you for what you're doing. But you got to also remember that we're dealing with uh, you got the mind of an individual. So you have to your exercise programming has to be based on their body, but it's also got to be based on their mind. And we know when you get in the world of corrective exercises. I, getting people to do them is going to be damn near impossible. So <laughs> dealing with what people want with what they need is a fine line that sometimes you have to develop just by being out and gaining experience. I mean, you and I came to this conclusion by getting hit in the face a lot of times, right, before we realize that this is the route that we should go from how people actually physically do it to uh, long-term, you know, what we want them to do. Definitely, definitely. Um, excellent. So um, one thing, uh, one another thing I should say that I, that I really admire about you is that you're teaching nonstop, whether it's <laughs> a post on the Facebook page, you post on the Scholars page, or you teach an NKT class, you're teaching laser classes, you're teaching rock tape classes, you're writing articles for all different publications, and now you, for NKT providers, you're doing a spree cast, which is a, a wonderful learning experience for NKT providers. Uh, you're always you're always sharing your knowledge, and that's extremely admirable. And you know, what's your motivation for doing this? Because I mean, you got so much great information, you don't you don't need to share it. You could just see patients. I mean, why do you, you know, what motivates you to to educate people? Well, thank you. That's a really kind thing to say. Um, well, I, I love teaching. I've always said that if, if I wasn't a doctor, I'd be a teacher. Uh, you know, I think it would be a calling that I love to do. And actually, that's what doctor means. Doctor does mean teacher. You look at the true definition of it. Um, but, I, you know, I get so excited about this stuff, kind of like you. I mean, uh, why did you start a podcast, right? I mean, usually it's something that uh, you're so passionate about or you want to be able to share with other people because, when we teach, right, that's when we really learn. I mean, it, it, when you can actually help somebody else understand it and share it, it sinks in and it solidifies it for me. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be four, I'm 47 years old, uh, and I joke around that I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life or I was on the right track uh, until just a short time ago, even though I was and chiropractic and stuff like that. I mean, I, I really wasn't, I uh, didn't have what I have now. I was looking for something. I was on my journey, I guess you might say. And then when I found it, it was like full throttle, foot on the gas. I mean, this is it. I mean, like I had over 30 years of someone who was lost with time to make up for. So, I mean, it's endless for me because it's such a joy. And I get a kick out of um exposing somebody, somebody to a different perspective or when I get up in front and see the look on somebody's face when they have like an aha moment. And I had to overcome my deathly fear of speaking in public. And a lot of people say, I can't believe that you would ever be scared to say something. And I'm like, well, that's another reason why I'm up here. So I can, one, I got over my fear by taking training and public speaking courses and getting up and sucking a lot and trying to find my authentic self and who I am. And if anybody's seen me talk, I talk just like my Facebook page is. I mean, I'm going to tell you shit straight up, and I'm going to curse when I teach, and I'm going to be animated, and I'm going to be saying boom in person, and I'm going to be trash talking stuff because uh, that's just who I am. But I think that's what resonates with people because it's real and it's not fake. But... um I mean, I did it because I want to see other people to say, wow, maybe I can do stuff like that or I can become inspired. And, you know, I do put motivational quotes up on my page all the time. And one of them by Gandhi was, you know, be the change 
that you want to see in the world. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so it's wonderful to hear um, people like yourself say such positive things, and it's grown very well uh, to over 12,000 people on Facebook on Stop Chasing Pain, which was never my intent. I mean, I don't really track my numbers. It's kind of cool, but I would still be doing this if there were 12 people uh, on that page. And I'm always looking for another avenue to teach. So with the Spreecast, you know, the online study group for NKT, that, that came about just to an idea of why should people who are not around an area where somebody can do a study group not have access to learning from other people and just if you want to learn, you should be able to have that opportunity. So, bam, you pop on your computer, you just watch a video of me teaching a study group, and you can improve yourself. Same thing with, with the podcast that you got. I mean, I started mine many years ago for the same reason you did. I wanted to speak to people that I thought were really, really cool, people that I thought that could have a voice that I think should have been shared but maybe didn't have an opportunity to. Because when you're out in this business for a while or you get on the teaching and speaking circuit, you know, it's hard to get into that thing. I mean, you got people that just kind of make the rounds and the, the people that you see all the time. And with, with the Internet and anybody can just say, hey, you know what, I want to make a freaking podcast, so I'm going to start one. And that's exactly what I did. And same thing with you. And now how many people already have you been able to impact from the one that you did with Thomas Wells, which I really, really enjoyed. So um, I guess the answer to your question is I have such an unbelievable amount of energy for it because I have such passion for it. And as they say, right, if you love what you do, it's not work. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and, and again, I've seen you teach, and I've taken your classes and workshops, and your passion is very contagious and very inspiring. So, again, uh, Thank you for 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 being you. <laughs> so, um, oh, okay, thank you. I appreciate that, and that that's one of my lessons for people is I want them to be themselves. I want them to be. I want you to be you. And it took a long time for me to get to that point. I think that's one of the reasons why I uh, became very good at what I do with looking at movement and stuff like that. And because I just I love the word embrace. That's my word that I use for everything. I mean, you gotta embrace yourself, embrace your authentic self. Don't make apologies for who you are. And as soon as I started to do that um, and carry myself that way, from when I when I teach, or when I see a patient, or when I'm learning, and I even embrace the the people that that don't agree with the stuff that you say. I mean, it, it was kind of funny for me to hear you say. Uh, you know, you can't understand NKT from the Facebook page post, and that's true. So, I mean, you were a classic example of I'm posting stuff up there, and you're like, this guy's out of his freaking mind. I don't know what he's, what he's talking about, right? How can that be? And on Facebook, you got your haters or on the Internet, the people that just are so so straight line, like, you know, this is this and that is that, and, you know, not even so much about research. I mean, that's another topic, but of uh, – you know, how can you have your – I think one I posted on there was early once I said about the operators causing, you know, uh, hip impingement, so I have a impingement syndrome. And then a guy's like, ah, you're, you're the reason why our profession has a bad name or it's an embarrassment. And I'm like, because you, you don't understand what the muscles do. And it, that's the kind of stupidity that i got to come across because they don't open their minds up to looking at things and then – once you can accept people for who they are or embrace something and say, you know what, can you explain to me how you got to that point, not just start jumping down. And, uh, you know, you're always going to have your haters, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I purposely sometimes put posts on Facebook that are designed to piss people off. And I do that for a reason because it incites, you know, conversation or back and forth sometimes. And, you know, because of how I post or do something on a tone, um, I know that sometimes I like to poke the snake a little bit. Like, you know, I always say, I mean, if you haven't pissed somebody off during the day, you're not doing something right, right? So um, once in a while I'll do. But now um, I just post stuff that I think um, resonates with me and, you know, on the scholars page and stuff like that. I, even with NKT, my goal with NKT is 
and you too as an instructor and David and Kathy and all the other great instructors, it's not to just teach you the technique, but we want to help you understand the why of something. I'm like, okay, if you see this, think about, think about why somebody has this. And I want you to think logically about how you can peel that onion away to get back to the true story of why it happened by really looking at the story of that person. And I think that that's one of the best ways that people learn. Definitely, definitely. Well, so that's a nice segue right into the next phase here is um, why don't you tell us what your general approach is when a client comes to see you? You know, how do you marry your techniques that you utilize, whether you use an FMS or SFMA or, you know, rolling pattern? You know, what, what what's your general approach? Sure. Um, well, I will say that people that come to see me at this stage are not just your general low back pain people. Like, or I don't really even see too many acute injuries at this stage. Uh, if I do, it's an acute exacerbation of a chronic problem. So, yeah, my name doesn't across doesn't come across your universe unless you've had something that's been a real pain in the ass kind of condition, like difficult, it's chronic, it's tough ones that maybe people have had that haven't responded to traditional therapies or they did respond to traditional therapies, you know, injections or PT or chiro, all those wonderful things and they got to a certain point but maybe they hit a sticking point and um, that's how they hear about me because of the stop chasing pain thing. So when you come in to see me, I'm automatically assuming that your freaking problem is not where your pain is. I mean, that's just my paradigm because if your problem was where your pain was, your ass wouldn't be staring in my office because you would have been fixed by now. So it's just already I'm looking at a different spot. Uh, so when you come in to see me, you know you're going to be moving. So everybody has any movement, movement evaluation for no matter what it is. Like I jokingly say, you know, if you've got a hangnail, I'm going to put you through a movement screen, and I will. So. Uh, I'll do a standard evaluation of like anybody does when they come on in a history of medical eval. I don't really run medical tests. I don't do x-rays. I don't do MRIs because if you've seen me, you've had that stuff. So I know I've got the luxury of knowing many red flags or uh, not all red flags have been removed in your case history. Uh, so, But if I do feel I have to send you for something that I feel was overlooked, I'll send you for it. Um, but I do work with people that are currently seeing their own chiropractor or PT. They're just seeing me on the side to add to the great therapy that they're getting. So it's not like they didn't have success where they're going or they're not happy where they're going. They just want to have a different element to it because you can always have a different perspective, different look. That's why it's awesome to have a nice network of people that can do their own unique thing. So uh, I'll put you through those. And then I'll, everybody gets the, uh, I'll do a static posture evaluation. I'm not a big posture restoration guy. I don't believe anything is static ever. You know, I think everything's dynamic, everything's moving. You just don't see it move. Uh, case in point is you got to freaking breathe, right? So you're never really still. <clears throat> but uh, I will look at the static posture because that gives me, um, it's like I tell, I kind of, when I teach, talk about the story, the story of each individual. So if you look at posture, posture is like the outside cover of a book. That gives me an idea of what the headline is like, what the blurbs are about. There's a little blurb on the back of the jacket. So you can get some semblance of what's going on on the inside of that book. So posture is the outside, right? That gives me some indication of what I might find when I open up the book and I start flipping through it. Then you got to start moving pages around, and that's what, the uh, movement screen is for me, and I do the SFMA, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment. So every single person goes through those big seven standard movements because every single human being that can physically walk and move has to go through these patterns every day. So I want to see how you do it. So now I want to start to read the story. And one of the quotes that I put up all the time by a brilliant dancer, Martha Graham, is that movement never lies never lies. It can show me how you feel about yourself. It can show me how you don't even know you feel about yourself, all the past experiences um, of pain you may have had, but also subcon so consciously 
uh, movement shows me what you do feel about yourself, how you carry yourself from your posture, for instance, but also subconsciously how you um, are carrying yourself and what your body is doing to basically survive. So I can on movement to look at um, your brain, really. What do you think about yourself? What you don't know you think about yourself? And how the body, the brain dictates movement and movement patterns. So I can understand where your pain is coming from, want to understand your individual story. And that's why I got to do a movement screen because there's no two books that are freaking the same, right? I mean, every book that you come across is different. <laughs> so, but everybody gets a movement screen first, the SFMA, and then from there, that's when I start to put my puzzle pieces together of where I might want to go with my NKT evaluation. So I have a whiteboard in my office, just a, a dry erase whiteboard, and I start writing on that when I see something and I'll suspect something. So I don't know. I just suspect, and then I'll write something down. Like if I see a posture, I may say possible, I'll say write too well, F and I'll circle it to left QL, I circle it, facilitate it, inhibit it with a question mark. I'm saying that based on what I see here, I'm, I'm probably going to find that when I get them down on the table or I test these muscles. And then I'll rule it in or out by actually testing the damn thing. And then if I see it, then I'm going to check it. But then if it doesn't, if they don't see it, then I'm going to mark it off. Or what I can do is now I can start to almost have like a mind map where I can draw a line from this movement pattern and draw a line to this one. I can start to what I call connect the dots, which is important, I think, for any clinician. And it just comes with time to be able to put those pieces together of you know, with what you see, what is that telling you about where you need to go? So, I mean, that's my biggest problem with taking the education courses. A lot of people take a crap ton of courses, but they can't put a clinical puzzle piece together to save their life. I mean, it's like they've got so much information, they don't even know what to do with it. So they're even more confused, even though they're smarter. But it's the application of knowledge that really comes into play. I mean, you don't, I mean, you can, you don't really know it until you can apply it, and I jokingly say that until you can explain it to a fifth grader, you don't know shit. So you got to break it down and be able to go to its basic fundamental foundations. Um, and that's how I try to explain it to my patients as well. Uh, and I always relate it back to, uh, you know, the movement lines with uh, Thomas Myers' fascia lines. So movement comes first, then uh, I'll do the therapies for pain with my laser and then uh, the tape plus my correctives. And then I'm going to move you again, put you through the same movement screen or patterns because just because I see it and make a corrective, I'm not patting myself on the back yet because I want to see did that pattern change, did that muscle testing pattern change, and is it holding? If it didn't, I don't care how impressive my whiteboard looks, I missed something. So it takes somebody who uh, is willing to be punched in the stomach and have and be proven wrong a lot. So one of the things I want to try to teach you with NKT is that the only way you're going to get really great is to fail a lot. So you'll learn these patterns and then you get better. Uh, and you can <clears throat> get to a point where you're very efficient with it the more you make mistakes in the beginning. But that's what learning is all about, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, well, yeah, I really love your approach. And, and, and what something that just stuck with me as you were talking about it was, um, you know, the patient telling you their story. And, and, and even more so than that is watching them move even gives you more information. And my brain um, goes right to thinking about people doing one leg standing. Um, you know, I, so many people, they seem confident doing all their moves, and then all of a sudden they get to that one leg stance and everything goes out the window. You see all their yeah. confidence lose, they can't stand, and you know, I, I didn't really think about, I haven't really thought about that as, as, as you put it there, but wow, that, that makes a lot of sense to me that um, you, you can really learn a lot about the person in that moment. So thank you for that. I, I like that. that. That's some good stuff right there. Um, why don't you tell me, so, I mean, this is, this is a great, I, I mean, I love the stuff you're doing here, and I, the in, incorporation of the laser and the tape. So how about, um, tell me about an interesting case you had recently 
I mean, we see as NKT practitioners, and we post so many awesome things we see. I mean, um, tell me, tell, tell us, uh, the listeners here something interesting you saw recently. Well, I certainly see a ton of interesting ones for sure, um, and I think a, a lot of NKT people do. Uh, it's actually funny. I'm going to show you one. I actually went in uh, this week to uh, help a friend of mine. I used to work with a, a doctor many, many years ago as her associate. And then uh, I went in to her place this week. Uh, to, she was interested in getting into laser, right? She's looking into it, and she doesn't know much about it, and it's really confusing when you get into laser um, about which ones to do. So I said, yeah, I'll come on in, and I'll show you how I use mine. And so she lined up like six different people, that uh, that had laser treatments from some other laser company, you know, and then I, I brought in mine. and So I was working on these people so they could kind of see the differences. And then I always put everybody, even when I'm going to do lasers, do an evaluation. And it was interesting because uh, the doctor had left the room, and then I was in the room with the patient, and uh, she was, I said, well, tell me a little bit what's going on. And as we know, the history tells you everything, right? So this woman is seeing me because she, and I posted this on the scholars page. She said, uh, uh, you know, I've got bilateral sciatic pain down my leg. And, you know, when we hear something in our world of bilateral nerve pain down both sides, I mean, that can be something really serious, right? I mean, you have to rule out a lot of things. And it turns out she had, you know, MRIs, and they said, well, you know, I've got like a disc herniation. I'm like, big freaking whoop, that doesn't mean anything, right? You know, that doesn't mean that's symptomatic. And um, she's gotten cortisone shots, and she did pretty well from the laser treatment that the other person gave them last week, but she was still having pain, you know, all the way down her legs and stuff like that. And <laughs> there was no cancer, no tumor, no red flags, anything like that. So um, I said, well, how did you get this? I mean, what happened? Do you have any idea how this happened? And she started to go through this story telling me that, uh, talking about her, her son who was out in the waiting room, how it happened when uh, he started happening years ago, that he was very premature. He was born and he almost didn't make it, and uh, it was a very traumatic delivery, and she had fallen, and she also, uh, you know, strained her pelvis and uh, had a bad sprain strain on her pelvis that she really didn't even know she had until she came to this uh, chiropractor's office because nobody else was able to diagnose that. So then I'm starting to think to myself, okay, you know, obviously she's got some sciatic pain going on. And then immediately when we hear traumatic birth, um, you know, fall on a pelvis or possible sprain strain, fractured pelvis, I'm thinking there's some pelvic floor stuff going on there. So how I'm even getting into where I want to go on something is what this person is telling me. So I knew I was going to go down and look at the piriformis muscles because I'm suspecting she's got a bilateral piriformis problem because she doesn't have a pelvic floor that's functioning well. So I'm thinking an inhibited internal pelvic floor to a facilitated external component of the pelvic floor, which the piriformis is. Uh, so I get her down on the table, and then I check the piriformis, and damn, if she didn't want to smack me when you touch them, right? And I know I'm going to laser there because they hurt. And the uh, doctor who I used to work for there, she's an AK practitioner by kinesiology, so I know she knows muscle testing. And I lasered the buttock there and stuff like that, and then, the doctor came on in, and I told her, I said, listen, you know, I, I always do a little assessment. I'm suspecting that she's got some bilateral piriformis stuff, and I think that maybe there's a pelvic floor problem with this one. I said, how about you muscle test her out, and let's see what she's got. And um, even the AK people at least are not familiar with the pelvic floor relationship that we talk about with NKT. I think it's kind of a unique one. Uh, so I said, let's go through it together. Let's test the piriformis muscles by themselves to see how they're doing. And both sides of piriformis muscles were, you know, strong as could be, which is not surprising based on with the piriformis syndrome. But there's no absolute, so you can't assume. So we tested it, and they were facilitated. And I'm like, okay, well, now let's see if the pelvic floor is related to that. 
So what we do, as we know, with NKT is that she's going to now, the patient's going to do a Kegel exercise to engage her pelvic floor. And as she holds that, we are going to retest the piriformis muscles on both sides and see, do they maintain their strength or do they blow out and then they give way and become uh, inhibited? And when we did that, when she held her pelvic floor, she absolutely had no piriformis strength at all. I mean, total blowout, which indicates that her pelvic floor was definitely inhibited, which was not surprising, but it made sense now. And then the doctor actually said, well, you know, I really haven't seen much positive effect in doing people with Kegel exercises. Have you seen that? And I said, well, you really wouldn't uh, if, unless you find a relationship that's going on. So what we need to do for her is not just have her do Kegels, but we have to actually have her release her facilitation first, which I can do by the laser or you can do by acupuncture in the piriformis or you can do by whatever kind of way you want to, by hand, anything to release the piriformis. And then now we have them engaged the what? The pelvic floor, right? So we can reset that relationship to now have, so she had bilateral sciatic pain because of bilateral piriformis syndrome because of an inhibited internal pelvic floor you know, based on her history that she gave me. So, I mean, it was really kind of one of the coolest cases I've come across, and it wasn't actually even a patient of mine. It's just somebody that I had the universe, in my opinion, I think lined up that we could meet that day because this poor person, you know, was in tears, really, when she was talking to me. Um, and I'm sure there's deeper issues, limbic ones going on, because her son was born with some of his organs on the outside of his body, and then that whole thing for her is an emotional connection. So, But that's a good baseline starting position and you know I left that office feeling like with what we've learned through NKT this person now has a chance to get her entire life back just from that one moment where our paths crossed I mean that's pretty damn powerful right I mean huge huge and I would not have seen I didn't would never had that relationship if I did not come across David's work all the years ago so I firmly believe that, you know, things happen in your life for a reason and you're set on a path. And that word embrace keeps coming to my mind all the time. So it's just, uh, uh, that, I mean, that was one, I think, it was my, one of my most uh, powerful ones. And there's many, many more, but that's a good one. Yeah, that, that was a great one, and, and that's, brings up the point there too is uh, another thing about NKT again is you know I've been aware of the diaphragm and breathing issues and I've been aware of pelvic floor dysfunction and I've been aware of gait and biomechanics and the upper extremity affecting the lower extremity but I never had a way of testing it and now NKT can test all those issues and it, it, it's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah it is I mean you're, I mean, you're smarter than me dude I mean you, you, you got so many uh great things that you bring to the table. And there's always somebody smarter than, than us. It's like there's always somebody who's better looking or strong or whatever. The same with intelligence. But you, you, where else could you go with it, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it just put it in a parameter where you could really kind of tie it all in. So I, I know I don't look at NKT to me uh, really as a treatment technique so much. It's more of a long as a, as a tool to use to, um, as an assessment evaluation technique that now makes it possible for these, all the other things that you have surrounding you with whatever you love to do to help you do what you love that much better. Exactly. Amen to that. And, you know, and another thing I always like to tell people about, too, is it, it, it makes things practical. When you, when you read a book like Tom, Tom Ashad's book on gait and you read all these, you know, crazy connections, well, with NKT, you can, you can test all those connections. It makes it practical. It, it, it's pretty amazing stuff. So yeah. um, just yeah. moving along here, because um, I don't want to keep you all night long. I know we're already past your bedtime. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need my beauty sleep, man. I need a lot of it. 
<laughs> all right. So, um, okay. So again, a big thing that we like to do is help out all the practitioners. So, um, how about a how about a tip for some for new practitioners? I know a lot of people struggle. You know, they're not confident uh, with the level one material. They don't think they're ready for level two. You know, wh- what kind of advice do you have for for the, for these people? Uh, I think you know because we were all there at one point for sure. Uh, you know, and I got certified. And I was one of the first batch of. NK people, we got certified 15 people first in New York City years ago. We didn't have the network that we have now. We didn't create the scholars page at that point. Uh, so when I learned, it was just, you know, communicating with David, but it, it was kind of like being thrown into the deep end of the pool sort of thing, which I kind of look back in hindsight. I'm glad that happened for me because it, it made me uh, think certain ways, but now with with what we have as a backup, I think it's really uh, important. Uh, two things for people that are new. Uh, you, you and I, when we teach, you know, it's a, it's a whole new paradigm change for people. It's it's like you just you know, blew up their whole world and looking at something. So I'm, it, it can be very confusing because you're like, I, I don't even know where I'm supposed to start. Like there's so many possibilities now because your your world is open to possibilities. So I think that we overthink sometimes. Uh, the the thing I tell people is really keep it simple, master the fundamentals. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. Like any champion that you see, um, master the fundamentals. You know, Coach John Wooden, you know the basketball coach, he drilled in basics on his basketball players of free throws and basic shots, boring stuff that, you know, you're like, oh, do I have to do this again? Yeah, you got to do it because it comes back to setting the foundation of success. So the fundamental ones, when you keep it simple, um, and really fundamental to me is taking a step back, right, starting like we say right now with NKT, the history, what people tell you, so you have an idea about where you want to go. Just don't start putting people on the table and testing stuff. Um, and start local, right where they hurt, and then you branch out. So simplicity is the key to um, mastery, I believe, because it's not always some – because when you see these relationships, you think you're always going to find some crazy-ass relationship, and you might. But <clears throat> just start thinking logically at first. And then you can look for that crazy golden nugget, you know, where you got a flexor tendon of the thumb that's starting off a psoas. But if you start thinking about that now, you're going to just blow your brain cells up. So that's why with my first free cast, I started with what I call the powerhouse five. I started right in the core. Let's just see. Don't look anyplace else in the beginning except these guys and just start to get this relationship down, get the thought process down. Then you can get better at, branching out, so it's kind of mastering the free throws. And the second piece of advice I have is tapping into the network of people that have been where you are, like yourself, myself, uh, and Kathy, and uh, asking questions and turning on to wonderful material like you have here with the uh, podcast. And I think people can get overwhelmed, too, is they're like, you know, they see something that, you know, Thomas Wells puts up, who's a brilliant practitioner, and they sometimes they get intimidated. Or when David stops it, because I put a post about this, it's like people want to quit because they're like, how am I ever going to be that good? You know, we never want to look like we don't know what we're doing or we never like to feel uncomfortable. But that's how we grow. I mean, we've got to step outside of our comfort zone and challenge ourselves because that's where the magic happens, in my opinion. And remember that these guys – have been doing it for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. But we're all here as a resource to make sure that you do keep going and that you don't give up. And I think that all of us as teachers within KT, how we've helped them get to that point is say, you know what, take a breather, relax, don't get overwhelmed, go back, make it simple. So it ties back into the simplicity factor again. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, and that's what I tell people. Just do some tests, get comfortable with the with the core, 
start from there, work out, and just practice, repetition. I mean, I, when I think back about my learning process, just like you, I just dove in and started testing. And, you know, I'd find a lot of similar things on people one week, and then the next week I would start seeing other things when I started testing different things. And over time I just got more and more confident. And, you know, it's still a process. I'm still learning. But the more you do it, the more connections you see, the more things make sense, the easier it gets. It's, 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 it's not rocket science. It's, it's pretty simple. You just got to keep practicing. So excellent. Yeah, excellent yeah I, I think it really helps you get you to hone your observation skills to really look and see. And once you really listen, you know, with, with your ears, of course, but with your eyes, more importantly, um, the story will reveal itself. The book will open. The pages will turn, and eventually you'll be able to get to the ending and help another human being, which is ultimately what I think we're all trying to do. Definitely, definitely. All right, so to kind of wind up here, you know, uh, obviously we want uh, people to continue on with NKT, take level one. If they need to retake it again, take level two and go on to level three. But as we said earlier, you know, NKT doesn't have all the answers for everything, and there's definitely a lot of other courses out there that are helpful. So what are some courses, uh, uh, maybe some books, that you recommend, uh, you know, practitioners look at to consider? Well, of course, I mean, i got to say my courses, right? Uh, you know, it would be great if you could come learn from me because I teach my own courses through Stop Chasing Pain, and one of mine is the Primal Movement Change. And that's a course that's really going to be launched more uh, this year. Uh, so you can learn more about that on my website, stopchasingpain.com, and I'll be posting that up on my page. I won't post that up on the scholars page because that's just NKT stuff. But um, you know, I, I, one of the things that, that I, I loved um, going through was uh, it, I started off with you know, Gray Cook's work. So going through. The FMS, the Functional Movement Screen course, is great because if you're new to movement, uh, that's a great way to start to get your feet wet. Uh, and you can take that course if you're a medical professional or you're a fitness professional. But then you got the SFMA, which is the medical-based side of it, which is a lot more intense. And that's that's taking a high dive off the board into the deep end of the pool. I mean, that's like a that's like taking NKT one for the first time with the new paradigm for you. And you got to be a a uh, licensed healthcare provider to take that course. Yeah, that's one of the to to go through, and um, I, I think that's a really good baseline starting point because there's so many good ones to choose from. But the the one piece of advice that I give people when they go to a skiing as a workshop is like when I teach, I am not I don't like the ones where you sit on your ass for 16 hours and you watch somebody talk or you look at a slideshow. I mean. Uh, I don't even, I can't believe that people still teach that way because you're not going to learn that way. And you're going to go in and you're just going to forget it, in my opinion. Maybe there's a few people that can take those golden nuggets that way, but, you know, we're a species that we like to move. So if you go to a CEU course, I think look in there and see, is it one that I'm going to get some hands-on stuff? Is it one where I'm actually going to be able to physically apply that stuff when I when I do it and when I take it because that's, I think, it's one of the reasons why people have so much fun at NKT is that, you know, we speak for the first hour and then after that for the rest of the whole workshop series from uh, 8 to 5 on Saturday, 8 to 5 on Sunday, it's nonstop, right? Touching people, interacting with people, feeling, looking, touching, bringing in all your senses and that's what makes it enjoyable but when we enjoy something, I think that we learn better. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Good advice uh, there. And how about any books? Um, what's a good book that you might recommend to someone? Uh, well, you know, definitely, of course, the NKT book is a great one. And uh, the the movement book by Greg Cook, obviously, he was my first mentor. I always give him props. That's one of my favorite ones. And one of his early books called... The first book I read that got me in the movement was Athletic Body and Balance by Gray Cook, and that was almost eight years ago now that I read that one. And uh, <clears throat> any the other books that I uh, like quite a bit and I've put up on uh, the Scholars page is The Trail Guide of the Body 
That's like really good ones that help you come down to the landmarks of the body, but more importantly, the actions of muscles. So, you know, learning, you know, origin insertion and stuff. I mean, if that helps you remember the action of a muscle, that's cool. But I'm a visual guy so much, like, I have to see a picture. So the the trail guys are awesome because they'll show a picture of the body part and they'll have the muscles painted that do that action. So it's like when I'm looking at somebody and I'm going through something, in the beginning it was like, okay, let me visualize that picture so I can see all the muscles that are going to flex up, like, say, for instance, the hips, and then that will get you a good target. But when you get beyond that now, like you said before, is that we're not just looking at muscle, we're looking at patterns. So then when you actually raise your own leg up and say, okay, what am I feeling here? What's moving? And then looking at somebody else on the table raise their leg, then you put the puzzle pieces together of not just the hip, but then you see the foot's got to flex up, right? The torso's got to have its own flexion. And then that's like how David said he came to discover all these patterns is he said, well, I just started to put myself into all these different positions to see what what it feels like and to see what was moving and what did I have to do to get out of it. So he just put himself in those positions. So I, I think that the trail guide, I know it's a long about way to get back to the book, but um, with, the, with the trail guide, it's a good place for that to start, I think. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And um, so, okay, so we got your website at StopChasingPain.com. Uh, we also got your Facebook page, which is Stop Chasing Pain. Um, and what, um, I know you're, you're teaching a bunch, so what upcoming courses do you have uh, going up that maybe people can, um, can see you at? <clears throat> well, I'm actually going to be posting those up on my events page on my website. Uh, you, know, I've, I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not the best at posting what I'm going to be doing coming up because I've got to get good at because I have had people physically say they're going to harm me if I don't put these up to know <laughs> where they're going to be. But I teach for Rock Tape quite a bit, so I'm, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow to teach at a university out there on uh, – a fascial movement taping course one and two, and then I've got quite a few NKT workshops coming up um, in uh, one in Washington D.C., down in Houston, uh, Minnesota is coming up, and New Mexico. We just booked, and those are going to be on the NKT website. Uh, for those that are going to be out in Columbus, Ohio, if you're listening to the Arnold Fitness Classic. I'm going to be presenting out there at the Arnold Fitness Classic this year on rock tape and about a three-hour block on my uh, primal movement chains. That's uh, for the International Chiropractic Association's their sports council out there. Invited mm-hmm. me to uh, speak. And then I've got a Stop Chasing Pain primal movement chain one coming out next month um, in Sacramento. But I'm going to be doing a one-day, eight-hour intensive course on movement followed up by a two-day fascial movement tape, of course, and I just posted that stuff coming up there. And then there will actually be a lot of online stuff coming this year. So, uh, And also, <clears throat> for those that are wanting to get on the um, online study group for NKT, you can uh, pop into NKT online study group on the uh, Facebook, and then you can have access to... Uh, the online speak apps. We, we're going to have, I think, uh, probably one every other week. So it will be a level one first time, then a level two. Then we'll alternate back to a level one, then a level two. And you can attend any one that you feel that you want to based on when you look at the outline or the summary or, you know, you can ask questions and feedback. And what's cool about the Spreecast is, as I know you came on it, uh, is, it's recorded, so as soon as it ends, you got access to it 24/7 anytime you want. So you can go back and relearn some stuff, which is kind of nice. That's awesome. You know, um, I was recently talking to someone about, um, you know, techniques they use, and and they had taken a couple courses from this one technique, and they said it was great, but they got no support afterwards. You know, and it was like it went in one ear and out the other, and they uh, they aren't confident with it, but in NKT we have so many resources for our practitioners to learn and get better, and we want them to learn and get better. And it, it's simply amazing. And the Spreecast is just 
a phenomenal addition uh, uh, to what we're trying to do there. So uh, excellent, excellent job with that. I, I know, I know the feedback on it has been overwhelmingly positive. So that, that, that's well, that's nice. Yeah, it's good, and that's so true. That's one of the. It's a unique thing with NKC. It's uh, it's a family, really. That uh, you know, family is there for each other no matter what, right? That's what family is. So, but it is that's fitting, that, that's fitting description of uh, what we have in NKC and uh, numerous people wherever uh, when they first come on board, yeah, you know, they tell us all the time is I, I, um, I can't believe how supportive uh, people are and. A lot of courses, when you take them, like you said, you're, you're in, you're out, or you're, you're just a freaking, you know, uh, money symbol. And, um, you know, you got to keep going back if you, and pay for this, this, this if you want to be able to continue to be inside the family. So it's, yep. there's always some string attached to it with those guys. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, with NKT, uh, you just get a lot of love and, and genuine people that want to help you succeed, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's grown the way it has, and then we'll continue to do so. Definitely, and the, the referral network that's developing worldwide is absolutely phenomenal. It's amazing the connections I'm seeing online with people, you know, sending their people that are either on vacation or they're moving to a different area. They have a family member, and and one thing, you know, even though we all have different backgrounds, our assessment is very similar. So, you know, sending, I feel pretty confident sending a patient of mine who's a chiropractic patient to maybe a massage therapist who does exactly what I do. I, I have no problems with that, and and it, it's pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It sure is. Well, you know, that's just a testament to uh, we just want that individual human being to get well. It's not about us. It's about them. That is the truth. So, all right, well, let me just finish up here with a couple last few words here is that I, I do have some upcoming courses myself that I'm teaching, NKT Level 1. I'll be in Denver in May, and then I'll be in um, – in uh, New Jersey in June, uh, close to finalizing Detroit in September, and possibly a couple other things lined up as well, too. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, if you're interested in having uh, one of us uh, instructors come, you can feel free to contact any of us um, or David as well, and we can see about maybe coming out and setting up a class near you. Uh, so I just want to um, I'll mention one last thing, too, is my next episode, I'm going to be uh, speaking with a massage therapist, Marissa uh, Macias, if I pronounce that right. Um, she is a massage therapist who's been using NKT for a while. She's uh, in Chicago. And one common question that we see from massage therapists is, how do you implement NKT into your practice? Because a lot of massage therapists, you know, are doing relaxation massages or sports massages. But once their paradigm changes, once they've been exposed to NKT, now they have a whole different perspective. And they're on target. They're looking for dysfunction. They're fixing it. They're giving corrective exercise. So it really becomes a whole different type of practice. And there's a little bit of an evolution there. And sure enough, every massage therapist has those questions. So hopefully with our next podcast, Marissa can really um, shed some light on how she did it and the advice she might have for you uh, so that you can do it. So I'm, I'm very excited to speak to her about that. So I, I do want to thank Perry, first of all, for um, hooking me up with all the information about how to run a podcast. Uh, he was wonderful in sharing <laughs> that with me, and I uh, greatly appreciate it. And it's, it's, it's not so difficult so uh, and, and uh, amazingly simple. So thank you so much for that. And thank you again for your time tonight uh, to talk to me and to talk to all the listeners here. Uh, some incredible, incredible information and, and I really enjoyed getting inside your brain so thank you very much Perry uh, Nicholson for joining us tonight oh thank you my friend uh, anytime I had, a, I had a really good time tonight and uh, look forward to a lot more of your upcoming podcasts as well with some other ones thank you very much I will uh, we'll speak to you soon alright take it easy you got it. take care bro bye